<laughs> well, good morning, LCM. Good morning. Today is Sunday, April 11th, 2021. Today is a special day. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, it's a special day. Special day. It is the 101st day of 2021. That means that the first 100-day initiative that the Lord has given, you've seen us walk all the way through it and complete it. Well, isn't it nice to, to complete something that God has given you? Yes. We've completed the first 100 days of what he's given us. We want to remind you of Jeremiah chapter 6, jumping right into scripture, and verse 16. Jeremiah 6, 16. This should be a very, very familiar passage to you at this point. It says this, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your soul. See, LCM, you have stood at the crossroads and you've been keenly observing. The Lord has been uh, opening our eyes to things here in this house. You have been asking, not for the latest trends not for the most recent fads, but you've been asking for the ancient paths. You've asked where the good way is, and you were walking in it. Did you feel God's presence here with us today as we worship? Yes. I mean, once you have a Wednesday night like we did, where you're getting your heart right before the Lord, then what happens next is he showers you with empowerment. He showers you with his blessings because you're walking in his way. You can count on the fact. You can count on it. You can bank on it that God will help you to find rest for your souls and that you'll be able to produce the kind of fruit that he intends out of your life. Man, what an incredible group of people here. We actually expect you to produce fruit. Not just agree with doctrinal statements, but we expect you to do work for the Lord. To be a storehouse of gratefulness. Yeah. To, to be dialed in in your discernment. To be dialed in in your distinction. And to continue to walk on ancient paths. Somebody say ancient paths. Ancient paths. See, that's what God has set you on. And you can feel what a difference your life is. What is made in your life over the last hundred days. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Have your lives been changing over the course of the past 100 days? Yes. But is there any God like our God? No. Equal to him? Nope above him and he lets us in on his plans that he has for us man what a divine enablement it has been to receive his orders about these first 100 days well we're going to celebrate this auspicious start to 2021 by visiting the ancient waters of baptism today many in this place will be baptized in water and it is our intention that every single person will be baptized in the Holy Ghost today. So we want you to get ready. Get ready get for ready. today's sermon that is entitled Ancient Waters. Say Ancient Waters. Ancient Waters. Turn to Judges chapter 5 verse 19. When you land there, go ahead and say Ancient Waters. We got we to gotta tell you how this, this, this passage of Scripture came about. See, what happened, what had happened was we have a weekly meeting with our elders. And our elders give us military intelligence. Yeah. They seek the heavens. They ask the Lord. They get in the word and they pray. And they deliver to us as pastors. They help us along. They're saying, hey, this is what we feel like the Lord is saying. And this passage actually came 
from your elders here in this house. Don't you just love that? We are not building a one-man show because there's two men standing on the stage. There's three other elders that you love. There's another elder that's going to be traveling back and we'll get to see soon enough in the next few weeks. Come on, it's almost like that the idea of a single person on a stage is not what God had ever intended, but that he wanted us to act like family. Y'all like, ready to act like family today? Judges chapter 5 and verse 19. Kings came. They fought. Amen. We seen, we heard, we left. The kings of Canaan fought. At Ta'anach, by the waters of Megiddo. They took no plunder of silver. From the heavens, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. Here in Judges chapter 5, this is a song that's happening. We're reading the lyrics to a song of victory of Deborah and Barak. Look, this is our goal today. By the end of today, you are going to have a song of victory. Yeah. A song of victory because a war has been well and hard fought. And there are accomplishments and plunder to get from that victory. There are supernatural battles taking place as this song is declaring. Did you see? From the heavens the stars fought. From their courses they fought against Sisera. This morning God is going to train our hands for battle. And he's going to train our arms for war. Because God has a strategic plan today. You ever think that God doesn't have a plan? No. He is the kind of God who has thought out very well, very thoroughly, exactly what he wants to do, how he's going to do it. There are no contingencies or plans B, plan B's with our God. He is the one who sets the course and finishes it. Well, to finish this thought, let's go to verse 21. Verse 21 says, the river Kishon swept them away. The age old river, not old man river, but the age old river, the ancient waters, the river Kishon, march on my soul, and be strong. See, what we're going to see today is that you can think about the ancient waters being a lot of things. It could be a place where healing is stirred. It's stirred up and people are healed. You can think about the, the peaceful waters of Psalm 23 that God can lead you to. But today, we're going to some ancient waters. And you got to understand that the ancient waters are a backdrop for God's war plan to be enacted. And here, the river Kishon swept the enemy away, that age-old river, the ancient waters. Because the waters of God's judgment, it's a place where judgment for the enemies of God are there simultaneously while God is bringing deliverance to his people. This is going to become crystal clear to you today that the ancient waters... Or a place of judgment against God's enemies while simultaneously de bringing deliverance to God's people. Aren't you glad that God can do more than one thing at one time? Yes. What happened to, oh, it was a good day. Well, I guess it depends on what's, what perspective that you're looking at. What happened at those ancient waters? Man, it was a lot of deliverance. But if you're on the wrong side of that, you're going to see that it's the judgment of God. Let us show you how beautifully strategic these ancient waters are. Go with this to Judges chapter 4, and let's begin in verse 1. Say ancient waters when you get there. 
Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now that Ehud was dead, so the Lord sold them into the hands of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. Sisera, the commander of his army, was based in Harosheth Hagoyim, because he had 900 chariots fitted with iron and had cruelly oppressed the Israelites for 20 years. They cried to the Lord for help. Look, this is within that cycle of the Shofatim, where you have their sin, Israelite sin. There is a, a cry that comes out, and God brings about a deliverance. Now, as you can see clearly here, there is a king of Canaan. His name is Jabin, a commander of his army named Sisera. And how many chariots did Sisera have? 900. 900 chariots. Chariots fitted with iron. And with those 900 chariots, he oppressed God's people for 20 years. Well, we think eight years of a certain term of administration <laughs> is torture. But we're talking about 20 years of an iron chariot oppression. See, the people of Israel cried out to the Lord as a result of this. And so the Lord caused a judge, a shofet, to rise up. Let's look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, Now Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went up to her to have their disputes decided. We want you to see that Deborah is a position as a judge. She is leading Israel, but her judgeship, the fact that she is one of the Shofatim, the leaders of Israel, is based on the fact that she is a prophet. That she is one who could gain the military intelligence from the heavens, from the word of God, from the very spirit of Christ as he comes forth. Deborah is a leader who is not just passionate, but she is strategic. She's not just strategic, yeah. but she is prophetic in what goes on. Come on. Why are we bringing up this point here early on? Well, we're laying some groundwork, as you can imagine. We are people who are passionate about the Lord. Except for that response there. We are typically a people who are passionate about the Lord. <laughs> Pastor, I heard them scream on the inside. That, that's what it was. It just came out. Way down deep. Uh, but our passion is secondary to the prophetic nature of what we must be passionate about. It's that Deborah had strategies that were given to her from the heaven. And this is exactly what brings us into the next verse here in verse 6. She sent for Barak, son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun. Say those names with me. Naphtali and Zebulun. And lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. Deborah, standing as a shofatim, a judge of Israel, is bringing prophetic military intelligence from the throne of God now to the ears of Barak and bringing that word from the Lord to help them end 20 years of ironclad oppression. 
from a cruel and ruthless uh, tyrant. See, God would lure Sisera to the Kishon River. The Kishon River runs right along the Jezreel Valley. It passes by a little-known town called Megiddo. See, these ancient waters of the Kishon River is where God is setting the stage for his judgments against his enemies, but simultaneously bringing about deliverance for his people. What we want you to get from this sermon this morning is that the God that we serve dwells simultaneously in the ancient waters that bring judgment to his enemies and deliverance to his people. We're going to make this clear over and over again. Because both the battle and the victory are designed to take place at the ancient waters. So let's see how this continues. Let's take a look down in verse 12. Skip down to verse 12 of Judges 4 with us. When they told Sisera that Barak, son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera gathered together his 900 iron chariots. In case you hadn't caught that yet, he got them all. 900 iron chariots and all the men with him from Harosheth Hagoim to the Kishon River. See, the word of the Lord is beginning to take shape here. Everybody can look over this direction. It's all right. You got a good father taking care of his son right there. And our good father is taking care of us. So I don't want you to miss not even a little bit of what we got for you. See, the word of the Lord is beginning to take shape here. What you have is Barak moving with 10,000 men. That's an army, folks. That's a lot of people from Naphtali and Zebulun. He's taken these men, and they are ascending to one of the most prized military locations in the region there in the Jezreel Valley. See, we need to tell you this because as Gentiles, we don't always know what these names and what these places mean, but they have significance. When Sisera heard that Barak and armies of God were beginning to move up to a strategic place, it caused Sisera to come out and gather all of his iron chariots and his entire army. When you are following the word of God, can I tell you that sometimes the point of following the word of God is that he stir up the enemies around you? Get away from the childish, non-Christian view that when you are walking with the Lord, everything is just supposed to be rainbows and Skittles. Sorry. Guess I'm hungry. (laughs) you got to get away from the idea that it's just supposed to work out. And if it doesn't work out, somehow the enemy is afraid. No, God is trying to use you to stir up the enemy. God is using you to go and pick a fight. Now, I know all of y'all were raised different than me. But sometimes you just got to go pick a fight. Let's see. I'm going to pick the biggest, baddest dude. I'm going to pick a fight with him. See, that's what God is doing. Let your enemies come because I'm picking a fight. That's what God is doing through Barak and the armies of God. He is picking a fight against Sisera and he's enticing him. He's luring him so that he will take his entire army and go address and encounter the people of God. And what do you think that Sisera, the commander of the evil army, was thinking? He was thinking he'd do exactly what he had done for the last 20 years. Today is the kind of day in this house that things that have been dominating you like for the last 20 years can be broken today. Yeah. See, because the enemy rises up and they think they're going to do exactly what they did before. <laughs> I'll get them again. 
I'll trick them again. They'll trip up again. Until the day that God says, that's enough, I'm ready to fight with you. Today is that day. Today is that kind of day where we're just going to pick a fight. It does, it's not anything at all for God to say, yeah, you've been dealing with that for 20 years, and today Come it on. dies Amen. here in this house. Yeah. See, the battlefield is established here. The men came from Harasheth, Hagoim to the Kishon River. God has taken them from their home base. I know y'all all clearly know where Harasheth, Hagoim is. Let's just call that home base. They're coming from their home base to the God, to the place where God is establishing here at these ancient waters. He is establishing the ancient waters <clears throat> as a battlefield. Yeah. We're going to see how that continues on. Take a look at verse 14. Look, I, I can't help but comment on what Pastor was riling us up about, stirring our souls. 20 years of a cyclical, oppressive issue, able to be broken. And broken because you were elevated in a strategic military position. Yeah. See, Mount Tabor yeah. was second only to Megiddo itself as the most strategic military position. And the understanding to go to this elevated position of Mount Tabor came from prophetic military intelligence, intelligence from the Lord to Deborah. How much do we need prophetic military intelligence in this house realize that when you begin to act upon it going up to an elevated position it's going to draw you into conflict with what god is in conflict with judges 4 14 then deborah said to barak go this is the day i'll say it again go this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. How long have they been waiting to hear this word? This is a day to end 20 years of ironclad oppression. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men. Well, this is a day that the Lord has intended to lure in the enemy and go drown him in the ancient waters. Bury this issue once and for all. And he's given them that further encouragement. Hasn't the Lord gone ahead of you? Come on, let's look at this from our perspective, church. Hasn't the Lord gone ahead of us? Hasn't he told us at the beginning of the year, this is what I want you to accomplish for the first 100 days? This is what you have been accomplishing for the past 19 years that LCM has been a church. He's giving us military intelligence from his throne about even the one association and how we are bonded together as brothers. One kingdom, one body, one spirit united together. He's even gone ahead of us to lay out exactly how we're to carry out discipleship. How much more... Can we take confidence in what God is doing in us? Because it's the same God that's giving Deborah and Barak that military intelligence from heaven. Church, we want you to grasp in your heart and your soul this morning that this is the day for you. This is the day to act. This is the day to be moved and stirred by the word and by the spirit of God. That there is something to do in response to what we're seeing here. Yeah. 
Barack, acting further upon that military intelligence, descends Mount Tabor with 10,000 men. 10,000 men of Naphtali and Zebulun. You know, for this very act, he is put into the Hebrews 11 listing of what the ancients were commended for. He is acting in boldness. He is acting in defiance to Sisera's rule and reign. And he is being an instrument of war for God to go pick a fight. Come on. Let's look at verse 15. At Barak's advance. You realize that nothing happens until you actually step forward? Do you realize that the 100 days that we've been in are not the final? They're just helping us to get out of the starting yeah, box? Amen. They're just helping us to get started in what God has? It's the beginning. It's not the finish line. We're at day 101. Great, now the 100 days are over. Yeah, now we keep going in what he's already showed us. Now we keep doing it day after day, week after week. At Barak's advance, the Lord routed Sisera. Yeah, he did. Come on now, what's it like to have a route? Na, 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 na. Hey, hey. When you route somebody... You start singing in joy, man. This guy's, or the Lord is routing Sisera and all his chariots and army by the sword. And Sisera abandoned his chariot. We're going to come back to that in just a minute. And fled on foot. Going to hop out of the tank that you were in. And now we're just going to take, we're going we're gonna to hoof it here. But Barak pursued the chariots. See, it wasn't just enough to get these men to get, to get bogged down, to want to leave their chariots. Barak is going after them. He's not just advancing. He is going to go pursue the enemy. Oh, my goodness. It's almost like Psalm 34, 14 should be coming to mind. Yeah. That you got to turn from evil and you got to do good. You got to seek peace and you got to go pursue it. Barak is pursuing the chariots and the army as far as Harosheth Hagoim. God drew them out of their home base and said, I got a plan for you. Come meet me at the waters. This verse is giving you, and it's skipping ahead a little bit in time to know how the end of the battle goes. Because they chased them from where God started here at the battle and chased them all the way back to their home base and killed them there too. Wherever they were, the people of God went after them. All the troops of Sisera fell by the sword and not a man was left. That's the kind of God that we serve, and that's the kind of attitude that we need in this house today. We're going to begin advancing for what God has done, and we're going to let him rout our enemies. But the good part about being in a rout is you just keep going after it. It's not like David when he killed Goliath. That's all they did. The men of God then got inspired and began to Amen. chase their enemies all day long. In Joshua 10, when Joshua was moving and defeating the five kings that had come against them, you know what they did for the rest of that chapter? Oh, I think they went after the enemies and dominated them in a single campaign. Is that right, Spence? See, what God does is he calls you to continue to pursue so that he can rout the enemy. Woo. Dominate. Yeah. Trounce them. Whoop them. That's, that's from back in my day. <laughs> Whoop them up. Defeat them. Embarrass them. So much that they left their chariots. Why would you leave the very thing that was the sign of your dominance over your opponent? The very thing that keeps you in control were the 900 iron chariots. And God is so dominant that he came down and, de and, and destroyed and routed them where their chariots were of no effect. Church, let me assure you of something. 
that what you think the enemy has an advantage over you on, an iron chariot, I can assure you that our God will dominate that very thing. Yeah. Why did they do this? Because they were men who had been filled. They had the, the heavenly military intelligence. Because a man or a woman who is obedient to God and is filled with the Holy Spirit is never at a disadvantage, no matter what the situation is. The battle began... The battle began there in the center of victory at the waters of Kishon. But we also see that there were some other waters that were involved in this story. Turn with us to Judges chapter 5, and we're going to take a look at verse 4. I can't help but see in my mind, as pastors talking about routed and pursued, that what looked like the battlefield with Barak and Sisera was much like a UFC fight, where Sisera is that guy that is running around the ring not wanting to be punched because he knows he's going to be knocked out. <laughs> Judges 5, verse 4. When you, Lord, went out from Seir, when you marched from the land of Edom, the earth shook. The heavens poured. The clouds poured down water. The mountains quaked before the Lord, the one of Sinai, before the Lord, the God of Israel. This is that lyric in Deborah and Barak's song where they're saying that God came from his mighty ancient mountain and he marched out like the warrior God that he is to come and judge his enemies and deliver his people. He is acting in accord to his nature and his character. Isn't it comforting to know that you serve and belong to a God who will judge his enemies and deliver you simultaneously? You're never at a disadvantage. Not one ounce and not for one second. But the God that you serve reigns supreme in you and for you. You know, the content of this very song in Judges 5, it's reflected elsewhere. Let me read this to you out of Psalm 68, verse 7 and 8. When you, God, went before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth shook the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. This is a direct reflection of the events that are taking place in Judges chapter 4. The very content of what's being sung as a song of victory in Judges 5. All this morning we have a song to sing. A song that joins the victory of what God has done like he did with Sisera. What David is singing of in his day, drawing confidence from that victory. And we're going to draw confidence in the victory that we will have. Because our God rides with us. Our God is the one who rides upon the clouds to make war against his enemies while delivering his people. We see here in both accounts of Judges 5 and Psalm 68 that he caused the heavens to pour out judgment and the clouds to pour out water. Sisera abandoned his chariot because of the deluge from the heavens above, and he felt the earth shake as God marched up against him. He was being pressed from both sides, the heavens and the earth. This was more than just the wheels of 900 chariots getting stuck in the mud. It was the shaking of God's war chariot confronting Sisera's chariot. So much that it trembled him right out of his chariot. What God is doing here is that 
he's engaging in battle in a physical war. But don't forget, this is so much more a heavenly conflict that's taking place. From the heavens, the stars fought. So let's look further in this song in Judges 5, verse 20. In verse 20, we're going to read it to you from the ESV just to give you a different perspective. It says, from heaven, the stars fought. From their courses, they fought against Sisera. The torrent Kishan swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishan, march on my soul with might. First of all, you should see in verse 20 that the stars are fighting here. That there's more going on than what we naturally perceive or what we naturally consider. We want to encourage you today that your natural mind is not nearly sufficient enough to understand God's battle plan, to understand God's game plan. Why do we yeah. want every person in this room to find a baptism in repentance, to find baptism in water, to find baptism in the Holy Spirit? Because I can assure you, your natural mind is not enough to realize that there are spiritual, supernatural forces that are at work beyond what you can see. Even the stars are fighting here in this story. Even the stars are helping God to accomplish. These heavenly beings that are helping God to accomplish his will. To attain the victory at the ancient waters, you have to gain. You must gain the supernatural military intelligence. So that the heavens are fighting with you and against your enemies. Look at verse 21. It says, the torrent, Kishon. It's not just an age-old river. It's a torrent. What happens when God began to rain down on his enemy, Sisera, is that there was a torrent effect. It wasn't just a little thunderstorm. See, I'm from Louisiana. We get plenty of thunderstorms in the afternoon. This was, it created this age-old river that became a torrent. It became something that 900 chariots and the armies that followed were not able to overcome. God was ready to sweep away his enemies because of this heavenly deluge. You can expect God to open up the heavens and rain down supernatural deliverance for you and bring judgment to your enemies, which the truth is, are his enemies. When you do this right, you and I really don't have enemies. They are all his enemies that we are now engaging with. We're able to defeat them because God can simultaneously bring the pain. I mean, bring the rain. From two different directions. God can bring the pain and the rain from the heavens and bring the torrent on the earth that will sweep the enemies of God away. God is able to simultaneously bring judgment to the enemies of God and deliverance to the people of God. And all of this takes place at the ancient waters. Let's look at another ancient waters that displays this. Turn to Exodus chapter 14. We'll pick up in verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. It's like they were being lured in. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through his chariots and his horsemen the egyptians will know that i am the lord when i gain glory through pharaoh his chariots and his horsemen yeah. 
Church, reading this passage, can't you see that just like Deborah and Barak with Sisera, God is luring Pharaoh to ancient waters? Luring him to rain down judgment against his enemies while simultaneously liberating and delivering his people. See, God has a heavenly military strategy. And the fun part about it is his enemies just seem to not be able to catch on to this. That he is that, that, that great of a God throwing out the complexities that keeps them chasing their own tail, repeating the same mistakes, and providing simultaneous judgment and deliverance for his people. Let's look at verse 23. The Egyptians pursued them. <laughs> yeah, they did. Because God was luring them. He was saying, yeah, you think, yeah, come on, bring it. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. You need more people. Go ahead and get the whole army to come and attack them. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them right on into the sea. During the last watch of the night. Wow, why does it always seem like it takes to the last watch of the night? Because God is making a point. He is showing something in the process of this. Let me encourage you, if you feel like you're in the last watch of the night for some things, come on, that's the perfect time for God to come through. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. I wonder what torrent hit them. We used to do that as kids to each other. <laughs> That's true. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them and against us. No, that's exactly what's happening. Amen. When it, the word of God says that, that God threw them into confusion. I, I got to show you this. Yeah. We're just going to take just a second. We've got a slide here. So the term of throw them into confusion is the Hebrew word hamam. Since I have the microphone, that is the perfect pronunciation of this word. <laughs> it is a verb meaning to, remember, this was what was translated as threw them into confusion. To make noise. To move noisily. To confuse, to put into commotion. Wow. Okay. So, so think about it with me. The Israelites are on foot. The Lord has opened up the Red Sea. They are walking through and the armies of Egypt are coming behind them. Where do you think most of the noise is coming from? From those chariots that are rumbling behind the people of God. Can you imagine as the people of God hearing some rumbling and be like, we've got to walk faster. Got to walk a little bit fast. I trust God, but I'm going to walk a little bit faster now. And what does God do to throw them into confusion? God makes some noise. Why do we think that silence is so much more honorable and venerable than actually just making some noise sometimes? <laughs> All the young men in the church should have said a good amen right there. This idea that God is beginning to clamor. He's beginning to clang. He's like, oh, you think you got some loud, you got some loud chariots going on? Somebody walking up beside, driving up beside you, got it cranked up. Oh yeah? Watch this. And God turns up the volume and it scares them. But I don't think it was just natural. I think there's something supernatural going on that the God of all creation is giving them and they're hearing and they're beginning to hear the sounds of God's judgment right here at these waters. They're beginning to hear the sounds 
of God's chariots that are now surrounding them to put them to flight, to make the most hardened of warriors afraid. And the only conclusion that they could come up with was that, oh my goodness, we hear this noise, but we can't see what's going on. There's some army that's surrounding us. It must be that their God is fighting for them. See, we always want to get in, engage in battle and use our strength, don't we? We want it to be because of our cleverness, because of the skill of our hands. What is more impressive is when God comes in and dominates in such a way that you had nothing to do with it, except you were being there and being obedient to him. Amen. And he throws the enemy into confusion. And the only possible conclusion that your enemies can come up with is, wow, the God of all creation is fighting for them. There's no way. We have the superior forces. I mean, we got the chariots. But church, you have the chariots of fire that are riding beside you. See, I want to tell you something, a little secret here. In, back in Judges, when it says that the Lord routed Sisera, the Lord Hamam Sisera. He routed him. He began to make such a clamor, to, to make a noisy interaction, to let them know and hear the hoofbeats of the heavenly horses there with the fire, the chariots of fire. That's what God is going to do, and he can do this simultaneously. He can bring judgment against the enemies and salvation, a victorious salvation for God's people. Amen. Now, Pastor Matt has a, a, a war chariot of a truck. <laughs> it's true. I don't, have to, I don't ever have to guess, since we live across the street from each other, I don't have to guess when Pastor Matt's home. I shall name it now, forevermore, Hamam. <laughs> the truck's name is Hamam. When Pastor Matt comes down the street, he can turn the corner. Sometimes he doesn't even have to turn the corner. And I'm like, oh, Pastor Matt's on the way home. Now imagine for a second that you're one of the beautiful, gifted, godly, anointed Piro girls. And the sound of the Hamam is coming. Your excitement or dread is completely dependent on what you did that was either accomplishing what your father wanted or that you failed at. It's the sound of judgment or deliverance. It's the sound of judgment or it's the sound of deliverance. Because if you've done everything that your father wanted, it is a happy sound. It makes you want to start saying, I can't wait till dad gets home because I get to show him. And that's exactly what's going on here with Deborah and Barak. That's exactly what's going on here with Moses. They are hearing the sounds, what the enemy hears and throws them into confusion should, call, should cause God's people to want to sing a song of deliverance, to want to have a song that says, our deliverance is here. Our deliverance is here, church. This is the day and our deliverance is here. At the ancient waters, bringing judgment to some and deliverance to others. As a matter of fact, Moses goes on to sing a song in the entirety of Exodus 15. Verse 9 picks up with something we might be somewhat familiar with. The enemy boasted, I will pursue. I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the, sea, in the mighty waters. 
Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? Do you hear the declaration of victory? Do you hear the declaration of judgment and simultaneous deliverance in this song? And where was this song sung by? The ancient waters. Sung by the Red Sea for Moses. Sung by the Kishon Torrent for Deborah and Barak. Oh, but there's one more song that was sung by some heavenly waters. Ancient waters. Let's look at Revelation 15 verse 1. Say ancient waters when you're there. I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign. Seven angels with the seven last plagues. Last because with them God's wrath is completed. And I saw what looked like a sea of glass glowing with fire. And standing beside the sea. Those who had been victorious over the beast and its image and over the number of its name. They held the harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Here in the heavenly realms at the ancient waters of all ancient waters, a sea of glass mixed with fire. Now you have the complete judgment of God and the complete victory of deliverance of God. It is a song of Moses that has now been made complete because it's also the song of the Lamb with Moses. When we begin to walk in the full confidence that God has given us, that we have a song of victory that joins with this song of victory because his word and his law and the blood of the lamb have mixed together and we can walk in confidence that we will have the same victory that they did. We will have the same confidence that at the ancient waters, we can have a song that declares his judgment and his deliverance simultaneously. Let's turn to Psalm 18. You've heard a song of Moses. You've heard a song of Deborah and Barak. Now let's hear a song of King David himself. Psalm 18, and we're going to start in verse 13. Somebody say ancient waters when you're there. It says, the Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot his arrows and scattered the enemy with great bolts of lightning. He routed them. Come on now. You know exactly how he did that. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at your rebuke, Lord, had the blast of breath from your nostrils. Verse 16. He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. Because that's where the battlefield was, those ancient deep waters. And God drew him out. Verse 17, he rescued me from my powerful enemy, from my foes who were too strong for me. Isn't that when you most need the Lord? Against the powerful enemies. Against those who are already too strong for you. Think about Deuteronomy 20. When you go to war and when the armies are stronger and bigger and badder than you. See, this is what it always is for the people of God. You need the Lord to come in and to rescue you from your powerful enemies, those that are too strong for you. Verse 18, they confronted me in the day of my disaster, but the Lord was my support. He brought me out into a spacious place. 
He rescued me because he delighted in me. Oh, that should just bring a smile to your face and joy to your heart. He rescued me because he delighted in me. See, God can both rout the enemies and rescue you simultaneously. That's exactly what he's doing. I want you to take a look at what in this last verse it says he rescued me. I want you to take a look at this word in the Hebrew for rescued. We have a slide for you. It's the word halatz. A verb meaning to draw out. Well, praise God. A verb meaning to prepare, to deliver. That's where you get the idea of rescue. But look at the very fourth thing. Why would the Lord rescue you from your enemies? Because he delights in you. Oh, yeah. But what does that mean that he delights in? He delights in equipping you for war. That's what the word actually means is he rescues you, yes, but he is equipping you for something. Why does God come and save you? So you can sit on your pew and sit on your blessed assurance your entire life? Of course not. He calls you. He rescues you so you can go to war with him. I love the way that this is this is, is that God is rescuing. When you're drawn out of the waters, when you come out of those deep ancient waters, when you are rescued, halats has been seen in your life. You're not only being delivered, you're being equipped for war. Because at the ancient water, God both routes the enemies and rescues his people. Now church, we don't have time. We gotta, we gotta move on because we got something else for you. Look at your neighbor and say there's more. See, we don't have time to talk to you today about the victory that Elijah won against the 850 false prophets at the Kishon River. We don't have time to talk to you today and show you how God threw into confusion Hamam, those that were attacking Joshua in Joshua 10. We don't have time to show you that yet today, but we're going to dive deeper into the ancient waters. Come on, these are deep waters and we can dive even deeper. We need to completely submerge ourselves in the idea that today, everybody say today. Today. You are being rescued from your former life. Why? So that you can be equipped for war. This is going to bring judgment as God routes his enemies and deliverance as God rescues his people. Turn with us to Matthew chapter 3. We'll pick up in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. Isn't it good to know that you have a king that goes out ahead of you? leads you into battle, rescues you, equipping you for war. You know what's happening right here in Matthew chapter 3? At the ancient water of the Jordan, there's a declaration of war being made. Jesus is starting in his ministry. And by doing so, he's being baptized. Not for sin, but he's going to the same waters that Yehoshua, Joshua crossed. Starting something new. 
It is a declaration of war from the heavens. And what he's about to set about doing is going to bring himself and God's authority in him in direct contention with Satan himself. So let's look at verse 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Now, if you're in ministry training one, you should know that string of words. There is a stringing of pearls, but I want to show something to everyone in the room. At that moment, heaven was opened. Yeah. At what moment? At the moment that Jesus Christ had been obedient and been baptized in the water, had gone in and realized that it was more than just a cleansing of dirt from the body, but he was declaring war against his enemies. At yes. that moment, yes. at that moment as he, as he rose up, God was showing his affirmation. I believe that that's what's going to happen. Pastor yes. and I believe, we believe today that that's going to happen for yes. some of you in this room. Yeah. That this is the day for you to be empowered in a new and a fresh way. Not only are you going to be fulfilling all righteousness as you submerge your life into the waters of baptism, but I believe that there will be heavenly affirmations. Matt and I believe this yes. today. We've been praying about it and feel like the Lord has spoken. There's going to be heavenly affirmations at that moment. Yeah. When you come out of the water today, you're going to see the Lord be affirming to you in some different ways. I believe, we believe that the Spirit of God will, in fact, descend upon us today. I can feel it. I know that God is wanting to do that. And you're saying, yeah, pastor, I've already been baptized in water. I've already been baptized in the spirit. And I'm going to say, not unless you've already declared war against the enemy. Come on. That's it. See, this affirmation that God is bringing to the Christ, to the Messiah, is so he then turns and goes to war. Yeah. I, I don't remember Jesus um, getting in a battle. I, I don't remember that. Look at the very next verse in your Bible. This is chapter 4, verse 1. Then this, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. What was baptism for? It was a declaration of war. Yeah. He didn't then go off and coast. He then began to engage in a different kind of way. Yeah. What baptism is for is not a religious activity. It is supposed to be a declaration of war in your life that you yes. then begin to attack. You begin to move forward and, and battle the demonic hordes that are there. That's Amen. exactly what Jesus Christ did. Amen. But it gets even better. Take a look at verse 12. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. The Prince of Peace. The Prince of Shalom. He's not only making a declaration of war, he's going to the heart of the battle. He's standing on the ancient battlefield. And expecting the exact same victory, but in its fulfillment. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali. 
the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. You know what he's doing? He's furthering that declaration of war. And he's calling for the repentance of the souls of man to be delivered while simultaneous judgment is coming upon the celestial powers. It's time for you to go to war today, saints. We are propelling you to be equipped for war. We want you to reevaluate your water baptism in the past and ask yourself, was it a declaration of war? We want you, I want every person in this room, it is our aim that you are eventually filled with the Holy Ghost today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not until I get this in order. No, today is the day that you are equipped for war. Our king is counting on it. Zebulun and Naphtali. You know where else is mentioned? In Psalm 68. Let me read it to you out of verse 27. The ESV says this. There is Benjamin... The least of them in the lead, the princes of Judah in their throng, the princes of Zebulun, the princes of Naphtali. Again, echoing that battle at the ancient waters of Kishon. Saints, baptism is a declaration of war. It's placing weaponry in your hands to be used by loyal sons that are displacing disloyal sons. Baptism in other nations in our current day and time is the one thing that has more criminal repercussions than just conversion. Because it is the sign of conversion. In some countries, you get one year from converting from Islam to Christianity. You get three years added on if you get baptized. There are some cases where baptism on the mission field results in immediate exorcism as it's going on. A simultaneous judgment and deliverance in those ancient waters. And baptism is, for many at the moment, a means of new empowerment. You've watched You've observed everyone else not only speak in tongues, but move in an anointing, gifting, and empowerment that you can only see from a distance but not experience yourself. Today's the day to be empowered. Today's the day for judgment and deliverance. Discipleship, as a result of experiencing the baptism of water and of the Spirit, it furthers along that training for war. That declaration of war that you make by joining in. Discipleship furthers. He trains my hands for battle, my arms for war. Victory is achieved when everything in creation is completely subject to our God. We want to submerge ourselves in the complete obedience to God through his baptism of the spirit and of water that we might be used as his military might. The soldiers that God brings judgment on all of God's enemies, the supernatural enemies, and bringing deliverance for all of God's people simultaneously. 
Now, knowing what you know, perhaps you will better see what Peter is drawing to your attention in his description of baptism as a declaration of war in 1 Peter chapter 3. Turn with us to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 18. Somebody say ancient waters when you get there. says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, that right, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Just last Sunday, we were celebrating on our calendar, Resurrection Sunday. This resurrection, and just as there was affirmation at Jesus' baptism from the Father, to turn him and be able to send him out into the war, into the battle. So too the affirmation of the Father is given through the Spirit at his resurrection. And just like Jesus' baptism, Jesus is also going to go to war here as well in this passage. Take a look at verse 19. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. Look, do you see this? That after being made alive, he was demonstrating the power of resurrection and he went and brought judgment on God's enemies yeah. while simultaneously bringing deliverance. Let's look at verse 20. Verse 20 says this, in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through the water. Only eight people in all were saved through the water, and this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels and authorities and powers in submission to, to him. Church, we got to let you know that these ancient waters of our baptism, that they're a symbol. It's a symbol of the waters that were in Genesis 1-2 at creation, where the Spirit of God was hovering over the ancient waters. It's a symbol of the judgment that was brought about in Genesis 6 as God brought the flood on the world. It's a symbol of deliverance in the Red Sea. It's a, it's a symbol of the deliverance and victory at the Kishon River with Deborah and Barak. And it's a symbol of your salvation. It's a symbol. It's not removing dirt from your body, but it is a pledge. It is a declaration of a clear conscience towards God and a declaration of war against God's enemies. Man, what a beautiful picture that we're seeing here. This is exactly what God is doing through this passage. You see that Jesus Christ gets the affirmation of the resurrection and then begins to immediately judge the imprisoned spirits there. Now we're going on and you see that the water, it doesn't save you, but it is the resurrection power that saves you. Look at verse 21. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's that resurrection power that saves you. It's that resurrection power that equips you for war. See, and then immediately we're speaking about angels and authorities and powers that are already in submission to Christ. And the proclamation is here for us today that we, along with Christ, are to bring to war all authorities and powers that are not yet submissive to him, that they might be in submission to him. Church, this is the day. 
Church, this is the day, the day for every one of us to be equipped for war through baptism, through baptism in the water, through baptism in the Spirit, that you might see that our God is able to both rout and rescue simultaneously, both judge and deliver simultaneously. And there's not a better passage to show this than Acts chapter 2. Let's take a look at Acts 2 in verse 38. Say ancient waters when you get there. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you might receive. What does that say in our Bible, church? Will. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Let me clear up one misnomer. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is for every single believer. It is the empowerment to go to war that God has designed for you to have so much that he told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they receive it. Yeah. Don't go to war until you have received this power from on high. How important is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It is everything that you need to go to war. But where does it start? It starts with repentance. Repentance that puts you in line to participate in that declarational war of baptism of water. And then the certain expectancy of receiving the gift of his Holy Spirit. Well, I need to be being filled with the Holy Ghost every single day. I cannot do anything to accomplish the will of God without the supernatural power of God at work in every fiber of my body challenging, subduing every thought, directing every emotion, and the very task of my hands being the works of his hands. Do you need the power of God this morning? Let the word and the spirit partner within you. Let it stir your soul, showing you what you need to repent of so that you can participate in a declaration of war and empower to go to war with him. In Acts 2, we see Peter. He is standing up calling others to join this declaration of war. But it carries on. In Acts 8, he and John go to Samaria. They run into some disciples who've only received a baptism of repentance. But he leads them to the ancient waters, receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 19, Paul does the exact same thing. We've only received John's baptism. We haven't even heard there's a Holy Ghost. Haven't even heard of speaking in tongues. Well, we got a solution. Come on over here. We're going to lay hands on you and get this thing straight. And the power of God descended upon them. And immediately after that event in Acts 19, you know where Paul goes? Ephesus. He goes right back into war. What are we designed to do when we are making disciples? We are bringing them into that declaration of war to join us as we go to war. It's time. Today is the day that yeah. you act. Yeah. For our closing scripture, we want to go back to one that we've already read to you in Judges chapter 4 and verse 14. Judges chapter 4 and verse 14, it says this. Then Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day. 
This is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? So Barak went down Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. Church, this is the day. This is the day. Some of those enemies that you've been battling, maybe some of you for as long as 20 years or more. This is the kind of day that we need. A kind of day that it's more than just a ritual that we're going to go out and partake in in just a few minutes. You've got a moment right now. Everybody say now. now. You've got a moment now. See, you cannot go out into the war unless you've been rightly equipped. That would be foolish. Your baptism is a declaration of war. And today, a baptism in water and a baptism in the Spirit is here upon us. Today is the day, the day to submerge, immerse, to dive deep into the ancient waters that God has for you. It starts off with repentance. It starts off with a genuine understanding that you cannot even come to him unless he is drawing you. There is repentance that's needed in this house today. No longer is it acceptable. Can you accept the fact in your own heart that you are walking in one way and saying another? There cannot be a discrepancy because that's going to be painful to you. But what God is doing is he's saying through repentance, through a baptism into repentance, you can have both a baptism in water and a baptism into his spirit. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? Has not the Lord prepared a way for you in this place today? This is a, de a day to declare war on all of the enemies of God. In the natural realm. Inside of you. And even in the supernatural realm. Today is a day that we say that God, we want to declare the kind of war that you are waging. We see that you bring people to ancient waters so that you can declare war on the enemies of God while you're liberating the sons of God. Church, we have a map right here to my left and to your right. It's going to take war for us to achieve and reach that yellow region on that map. To go into the heart of Islam and stand up and say that the God of Israel has changed us and the God of Israel can change them. As followers of the God of Israel, we are going to go into the heart of Islam and say, we will bring captives back. We will take plunder from the fierce. We are going to do it because we know we're at war. My goodness, I can feel his spirit upon us today. We're going to do this. I'm going to ask Judah, Nick, Justin to come stand over here to my left and to your right. Men, if you would. Because I want there to be clarity in what we're doing today. These men are going to stand over here. And if you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, these men are going to lay their hands on you and you will get filled with the Holy Spirit. Right here. If you've already been filled, then you need to be being filled. But there are some people in this house that need to be filled with the Spirit in a fresh, a new, and maybe even a first kind of way. You need this baptism in the Holy Spirit because there are enemies that your mind cannot deal with.
There are enemies that your eyes do not perceive, and you, got, you have to have the power of the Spirit at work. If you need repentance, I'm going to ask Baj and Charlie, John, to come over here to this side. And these men are going to be able to stand with you and help you to receive a baptism into repentance today. And for the rest of us, here in the center part, if you are ready to have your life be a declaration of war. Some of you who are going to be baptized in water, you're going to experience something right here and out there. Our baptism time has begun. And it it is now. Just want to say, let's stand to our feet. Don't make yourself an exception. There's a war waging inside of you. I really don't need that right now. Maybe I can wait till later. That doesn't really apply to me. Don't let the devil rob you of being rescued, equipped for war. Crush that self-generated exception. Let your heart melt before the Lord. Come and receive your equipping for war. Mighty God, we surrender our heart and minds to you right now. We say that you are the God above all, the God of heavens above and the earth. But we lift up the name of your son, Yeshua, Jesus. That you would come right now, move the hearts of men and women for to step forward and be equipped to go to war. Equipped through repentance. Equipped through baptism of water. Equipped through the baptism of your spirit. We say spirit of holiness, spirit of God, come, come and fill our hearts.